And we are on. This is the fourth episode of PodVN COVID edition. We're going to be talking to Pastor Dave Glesney, the senior pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Bloomington, Thanks for, uh, which also happens to be my church. So uh, thanks for getting on today to, to talk, Pastor Dave. Appreciate it. Glad, glad to be here. So, um, so St. John's is quite a large church with a lot going on, and um, it's been interesting for me as a parishioner to see how things have adapted and changed um, to try to keep things going on my side. But I know you've got a lot wider view of it, so um, can you just talk a little bit about, I guess maybe just starting like when this was all kind of heating up, what you were, what was on your mind and what you were thinking, and then how how things have progressed since then. So, you know, I think probably my initial um, memory as I I look back a little while was coming in on Monday after uh, school was initially, you know, the announcement had been made and everybody on staff kind of looking at me going, well, now what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never lived in a a pandemic before. And so over the course of of a couple of days, we immediately began switching gears. We had already started to procure um sanitizer for all the pews and we're talking about sitting in different ways and doing different things and uh, we had worship then that following weekend uh, that was a little different <coughs> excuse me and uh, um, then kind of got to the point where some, I remember making some adjustments I was a um, greeter during that service so I was there were some adjustments like we weren't shaking hands and uh, we weren't passing the communion plate and and some things like that yeah. And so, yeah, so we were trying to make some, some good changes on the fly. And then the, the no groups larger than 10 kind of mandate came down. And well, <laughs> fortunately, we have more than 10. Unfortunately, we have more than 10. So we weren't able to, to gather in the way that we normally do on the weekends, nor even for that more uh, point. You know, our preschool is also a very large part of our operation at St. John. So that too, you know, we had some concerns about how that was going to happen and things that were going to go on with that. And you have, uh, and that's just from an operational standpoint to, to, you know, here's our normal rhythm of life. Um, And it, our normal rhythm of life does not, um, does not remote well, generally speaking, the way that we've done it in the past. Um, So we had to start doing some very creative thinking really, really fast once we figured out we wouldn't be able to be together uh, in worship. Um, so we immediately, I'm very fortunate in the fact that we've got a great staff and some wonderful volunteers at St. John's, uh, that are creative and, uh, kind of go with the flow and have kind of picked up the ball and, and run with, uh, different aspects of how we've had to adapt to, um, the stay at home or the safer home situation. So mm-hmm. that began pretty much the second week. Um, we tried pulling off worship as we normally do, but just by ourselves, um, and that worked okay. Uh, but I thought, you know, we can do this better. We have some folks who have some skills and, uh, so by that, you mean you were, um, like you were just videotaping the parts of the service and having the people who'd normally deliver them, deliver them kind of slicing them together online with, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and for the most part, you know, the, we had our, for contemporary service, we still had our contemporary worship team up on stage and spaced them apart and, uh, it looked a little goofy, but they still made, you know, a joyful sound. So that's cool. Um, and then we just kind of recorded the individual pieces, parts uh, of worship. Um, 
that way. And over the time, with some other things that kind of came in with uh, newer guidelines, we decided that we didn't even want to bring people that close together again because we had the means via technology to put together a, 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 a worship experience that would be meaningful and fulfilling and wouldn't necessarily have to put anybody at risk uh, for coming in or having too much contact with others. So uh, that worked out pretty well um, over the last couple of weeks. And we've been sharpening up that Easter was the weirdest one, you know, uh, not to have, um, not to be able to be gathered for, for worship on Easter for me was, was really odd. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, the numbers uh, are pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, the, the folks are engaging, people are adapting to this new way. And there was what I've been really thrilled with, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, is uh, one of the things that we launched right away uh, when we knew that those folks 70 and above were at the greatest risk um, for deleterious um, things happening if they caught this virus, so they should really not get out. Uh, we really put a focus on trying to connect with those numbers of our congregation in that particular demographic. So we uh, sent out letters and did phone calls and made a lot of connections and just touched base with a lot of folks that way. Um, we, we started a separate ministry called Caring Connections. We've already done similar things, so we had some patterns to, to follow there, but we have just a, a tremendous amount of folks who stepped up to make it, you know, got a little list of folks who they, you know, how many did they feel comfortable with and um, so anywhere from one to a dozen, depending on who you are and what, how extroverted you are and want to contact other people that gave people an opportunity to build community and, and to touch base with folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Easter one was really, um, was, was very, very weird. Um, for us, I, that was one of the, I feel like this for me is like, it goes in, it goes in waves, like 90% of the time. I'm fine. Like, I don't feel like anything's wrong. And then there's just like that 10% of the time where it, it hits me, whether I, I notice it most at work where suddenly I find myself really like irritated or fixated on one thing. And I'm like, why is this, why is this email the thing that's making me like angry today? Like, <laughs> And there's nothing really that different. It's just, that's the thing that flicked that switch for me. And, um, and I'd say, as far as like things that I'm into involved in the community on the whole, it's been that way too. But man, that Easter service, it just really like, it hit me deep how much things have changed and how thing, how odd <laughs> this whole experience yeah. is. Cause it's just the time when we all are together, right? You're trying to fight for a place in the pew. So, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, and that's something I've kind of, I don't know, the, the rebel in me has kind of gone down this road a little bit. Is a lot of folks refer to this as the new normal. I'm like, uh-uh, this, this, ain't, this ain't, first of all, new. If you're a history student, you know for plagues. Things happen, this is whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but it's certainly not normal in any way, shape, or form. Um, now, will it affect what will happen in our lives going forward? Absolutely will. And my hope is that in some ways it'll be a very positive uh, turnout. Again, you know, I go back to the connections that we're able to make. Um, sometimes you take those connections you have with other human beings for granted, you know, and those people who are on the extrovert huggy side, I don't think they will quite ever live life the same way. They may savor those things uh, yeah. a little more. But I think as a community, we, we started to realize how much we do just appreciate being able to gather together and what a gift that actually is. 
when for some folks, you know, growing up, you know, I had the, the talk from my folks as well. And I'm sure uh, other folks have had this similar experience where, you know, I grew up, my dad was a pastor and I didn't want to go to church every single week. And, you know, we had the conversation where, you know, my dad turned to me and says, no, you get to go to church every week. I'm like, that yeah. makes no sense to me. Now that makes <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You take something like that away. Yeah. I thought about that too, um, not growing up in the church about how it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, there, there are people and it's not to disrespect them. Um, I, I know some very good people who, who don't feel corporate worship is important for them, but man, once, um, you know, and if someone said to me like, Hey, how important is it? Like this building that you go to with all these people, how important is that? I would have said like, you know, it's, I like it, but it's not like the, you know, a core thing, but man, the taking it away and seeing the impact it's had on my life to not be able to have just easy fellowship and conversation with people to shake hands in the morning to have the kids be with their friends in Sunday school to to wave to people to to take communion physically I mean that's a it's been a it's been more um I guess to to put it positively it's it's really it's really emphasizes the positives of that whole experience and why it's why we get to do it on Sundays right yeah 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 yeah, it'll be very interesting. A lot of different conversations and from different folks, you know, about what they valued or what they missed. And and uh, I've gotten a, a good number of notes from folks. What's really nice is I think, you know, going back from a historical perspective, this is perhaps the first non-isolated isolation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because we have the technology, you know, in, in you know, you know, with the Spanish flu, that wasn't quite the same technology, wasn't where it is now with that kind of stuff. And so we have, you know, the ability, not only phone calls, not only mail and writing, but, you know, we can do stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, the number yeah. of times, um, you know, we do, we do um, even on staff, it's been a, a kind of a blessing. Uh, one of the silver linings I think I found on that is we do a, a daily touch base on, on Zoom. And... Um, what's really nice is they don't, the meetings don't tend to drag on because nobody likes a long meeting, but we're able to touch base and people are able to see people they know every single day doing mm-hmm. somewhat normal things because we're still, we've been very blessed in the fact that we're able to keep everybody on board working and doing stuff. Now it may not be the normal stuff they would be doing if they were inside the building, but we're able to transpose uh, enough of what we do that everybody's able to do that. And and honestly, we're also fortunate in the fact that a, a major portion of our, our ongoing operating expenses come through gifts of offerings. And um, a, a vast majority of us now do electronic giving. And so I don't have to show up. Uh, it just comes right out of my bank account. And other folks have seen the fact that this is the kind of time when when greater needs arise and they've been very generous with us. So we've we've been able, we've been able to keep people up to speed, you know, working and doing things. Um, The physical plant, you know, those folks who are responsible for that, you know, when you get back to the church, it's going to be, it's going to smell and look wonderful Um, (laughs) because they've been taking care of a lot of deferred maintenance, you know, everything from cleaning the carpets to, to uh, polishing the floors and, and other little things that go sometimes get left to the wayside because life gets so busy. Um, and it's a pretty good sized building, as you know, so it takes some time. So we've been able to keep them pretty well occupied. 
Yeah. Sure. And for anyone listening who doesn't know where St. John's is, it's on Tawanda um, by Ewing Manor and uh, by where the old post office used to be there. So it's a very large campus, large building um, in there, including like, like, um, like you mentioned, Dave, the preschool that's in there too. And, uh, you know, full, full uh, commercial kitchen and, uh, and all this uh, definitely different, two different worship spaces and things, or three, I guess, if you count the fellowship hall. So yeah, definitely a large place. So I know that the finances and the, the business side of the organization isn't directly your responsibility, but I mean, you kind of, I'm sure it's on your mind too. So, um, you know, the, the church is, also a small business with the running staff and things like that. So um, I guess I, I don't, I don't need to pry too much, but what I'm hearing from you is you haven't needed to furlough anyone and you're still getting um, people are still being able to, uh, to, to give and keep, keep everything running as we had set up. Yep. yep. It's not going to last forever, <laughs> but you know, the hope is, you know, we, we, we were, um, we were in a pretty healthy place financially when we closed out last year um if there's a time of year where financially we have a little bit more wiggle room than we tend to do at any other point in time it's sort of this right you know this time of the year so um we're able to do that you know now can we do this indefinitely of course nobody can but um especially without not without changing the model of what you do but i think um you know at this point in time everybody's been able to keep at, at, at that and that's been a huge blessing because one of the last things one of the things i hate to do and i've had to do this a couple of times for budgetary reasons for less than glamorous reasons uh is you know you have to you know let somebody go or tell them they don't get the hours they needed and and um that's about my least favorite thing to do in the entire world and so i'm i've been very fortunate and then and my, my true my true hope and prayer is that as because that's where i think a lot of folks right now as i look out in the the broader world where people are getting really angsty about this is I think on some of that is on that financial level. Um, you know, how the bill is going to get paid, how's the, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. And, and those are, those are tough questions. Those are real life things you got to wrestle with. Um, but it's, um, you know, both from a spiritual perspective, you know, how does one wrestle with this? You know, what is, what is the point of going through all this stuff mean? And so hopefully a lot of the stuff that we're also doing um, on a daily basis, each member of the program staff, we've got some highly talented, wonderfully gifted um, folks who, who write a, a daily blessing that goes out to our members each and every day that kind of just uh, does some reflection on what, you know, some of it's been reflecting on what do you, if you have time on your hands and you're bored, what can you do? What does this mean? How do you turn this into a positive sort of a situation or, or at least a situation that is, that will benefit you on some levels. Um, and so there's been some really good connection there, some spiritual connections, some practical suggestions as well from some of the staff. Um, we're reaching out technologically in different ways as well um, to do that, just not just via email, but we're also still using some of our older methods because there are some folks in our congregations um, who are, um, I won't call them Luddites, uh, but they, they, they're not technical in their, their skills. And I say that because they're not all the older people. 
We've got a couple of folks who are in their 90s, God bless their heart, that are all over Facebook, like white on rice. They are just everything. <laughs> they know every little detail about it. I mean, there's this 93-year-old lady who sends me memes. I'm like, this woman has got a mean meme game. For 93 years old, it's absolutely spectacular. Um, so, But some folks just don't do technology. So we still have to send letters. We still have to make sure that they're connected. You know, uh, Some of those folks don't like to chat on the phone so very much, and they want... You know, they're not so sure what they need. So how do you connect with them gently? So sometimes a letter or a note is the best way to do that with folks. So we're using older technologies and, and newer things to, to help address those people. You know, some of it's going to be financial. Um, uh, one of the things I'm working with some other community organizations, we're kind of gearing up for what's next. Um, Lord willing, whenever anything does happen to open back up again and life, quote unquote, gets back to normal, um, there are always, and I've been around long enough, and you probably have too, is no matter how much we try, there's always people fall through the gaps. Always people fall through the net. Even great safety net, there's always going to be somebody that finds that one spot. And working through various other community organizations, the townships and some other folks, we're trying to put together a comprehensive way to keep as many of those people from falling through into homelessness and some of the other struggles that will happen after that if they don't get the assistance that's needed immediately. There's a lot of programs that are out there. They'll catch a lot of folks. That's that's the hope. But there's always those those folks that are the outliers that have unique circumstances, the thing that doesn't fall into a normal government program. How do you address those real human needs with folks? So we began that conversation already this past week, which I think is good because that's going to start coming our way here before we know it. Yeah, that's really good to hear. That was actually one of the things I was curious about being one of the largest churches in the area. Um, you know, we have a lot of ability to um, be aware of the needs and also to try to help people with them. So you are seeing groups, um, you know, secular, religious and government they're all they're coming together they're talking they're trying to um patch up the gaps in the in the nets there is that what you're saying okay and, yeah and it's kind of nice because as a church we're a little bit more which is not normally the case sometimes the church can be a bureaucracy and have some stuff that we struggle with occasionally but in this particular case compared to the government we're much more nimble and able to react more quickly to some kinds of needs so i'm, I'm hoping that if that does be if that is, and I believe it will be, a need that arises that we'll be able to address it and be a positive force in that in that regard. Yeah. yeah so we talked about worship a little bit, talked about ministry, talked a little bit about community. Um, kind of wanted to dwell a little bit more on the community aspect of it. Has what has this um, what has this experience had you thinking about as far as what a community is and like what constitutes community it's it's sort of challenged our traditional notions right because community is usually like oh you're together right so when we're not together what does that still mean especially in a season like easter so some of that is that that connective tissue that's that's there so how do you how do you form those connections how does you know a community forms not just because of locale um although that's certainly part of the recipe but I think in this particular case with the church, one of the common things that we have is that, you know, we are, in this particular case, members of St. John's, but we also have connections beyond that. So one of the things that I'm seeing is um, is that people who are part of our community already that were pre-established there are reaching out to others who have needs and say, 
you may want to check out what we're doing at our church. You may find it helpful, whether that's online worship, whether that's uh, some of the other things that we do uh, through St. John's and, and some of our ministries. Um, well, for, you know, a nice, for instance, that I liked that happened was uh, shortly after um, this all started to happen, uh, Luther Oaks uh, down there uh, needed, you know, those folks the weren't allowed to yeah, the nursing care home. facility, nursing home, the assisted living. Yep. Yep. And so a lot of them, you know, they, they're independent living. Well, you can't be independent when you're locked into your place. And if you are really at high risk, you really oughtn't leave. And that is their kind of uh, suggestion for their folks. And most of them, I believe, are, are, are abiding by those rules to, to maintain the safety of their community there. But they still got to eat. They still have to do these. You know, who's going to run their errands for them, get their medicines, do all this kind of stuff. So they have some of that stuff built in um, in the community out there already. And one of the people that does that is Marvin Rausch, who's a, a member of St. John's. And he called us up and said, you know, we're going to need some folks to help do some grocery shopping. Do you think we could whip together a crew uh, that could do that? So uh, on a weekly basis, I think it is now, uh, we get about 20 or so folks uh, and they head out to, uh, they've got an arrangement with Hy-Vee and they head out to Hy-Vee uh, first thing in the morning during those early morning hours that they have for some folks. And they go through and they get the, the groceries for folks. They put them in the van. They all get delivered out to Luther Oaks. They sit in a, a quarantine area for a couple of days. And then those things are delivered to the residents out there uh, as, as they have ordered them. So it's one of those ways where, you, you know, you don't need a degree in rocket science to go grocery shopping. But you do need to have a healthy enough so you're not putting yourself at risk. So you're able to do this very small thing that somebody who's in their 80s or 90s can't do without placing a high level of risk on their life. So um, that, that's one of those really cool ways that you bind together. So we're doing things for people we've never met before, but they're able to live more abundantly in their community. We grow because we get to see, even at six feet distance, <laughs> a bunch of other people that either we've gone to church with or are part of our community. It's not just members of St. John's. We've drawn in other volunteers who who feel that they want to do something positive along those lines, too. So that's a, a, a real positive that's one thing I can point to in that regard. Yeah. I think as far as the rest of the community of, of, the, of the church goes, I think that goes back to just having that conversation. I think using, using technology, one of the things that dawned on me, I've, uh, I'm not always the most original thinker in the world, but I'm more of like a jazz musician. So once I hear a good riff, I can, I can go with it. And so one of the things I think we're going to look at doing is doing kind of a check-in um, via Zoom or, or another platform where people who just want to talk, who want to say hi to the pastor, say hi to each other, can, can have a community time together to draw together, to have conversation, um, to listen to one each other. I mean, if somebody had grandbabies and they want to show pictures to somebody and they, they just can't where they're at, well, you can do that online. Um, yeah. So we're trying to adapt uh, in some ways that and honestly, one of the things we're starting to do right now is preparing again for what's next. How do we come back together again in a healthy and a productive way, not forcing the issue, uh, but following guidelines for the safety and well-being of all people? And uh, so that's a conversation we began this last week. We're going to continue to talk about it. The, at the very beginning of this, I said this was a fluid situation when I addressed the congregation because... I, I didn't have a lot of answers. I still don't. We've just been doing the best that we can with this. And it does. It, 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 as soon as you sort of think you got something figured out, 
the ground shifts a little bit on you again. And so uh, we're going to keep we're going to keep that stance for a while, but going towards the point that we'll be able to do something eventually. But how will what we've gone through affect what we're going to go do next? Yeah, and that's a big part of the conversation. Yeah. Huh. Man, um, the um, the another thing that I like that we've done is get some Facebook groups together of different like groups. Like um, there's a there's a dads group or sorry a men's group, but most of us are dads of, of kids of similar age. Um, and so we get together on Wednesdays. So instead we've had some we got a Facebook group and had a happy hour set up so we can kind of share our our similar experiences and and concerns and things like that. Um, and it's a uh, something that's so weird to me is like the, the the experiences of two different groups in my peer group are very very different. I have people who and basically it's if they don't have children or not if they have children or not. Ah. <laughs> and so the, my friends who don't have children, especially if they live by themselves, they've now been almost in solitary confinement for a month, and they're just dying to have interaction with people they're like setting up these zoom happy hours and like hey can we play some board games online and like do all these things and then people like me who have little kids we've especially with multiples who have to do different e-learning activities when school's closed and i'm still trying to work from here it's i mean we are just running ragged and it's like every day i feel like a little bit more depleted you know um and so it's been it's been hard to be, I think each side is finding the other side. Like the experience differs so much where one's like, I'm really bored. And the other one's like, Oh my gosh, I need some downtime. Um, it's, it's kind of like our community is a little fractured a little bit in that way with, with my, my, um, my peer group, but, uh, yeah, needs are differed, but you can kind of come together and support each other in different ways too. Right. I'm hoping we yep. can get to the point where we re- where we're comfortable enough that we can have limited interaction where like like my um we have a really close friend who's like an aunt to my children and I was like and she's in Chicago in a condo by herself getting dri- driven up the wall you know <laughs> and I was like can she come here and help us take care of these kids <laughs> like it would seem to meet everyone's needs <laughs> so hopefully we can take that step as a some steps like that you know um, anyway, the, uh, so I assume you're seeing that too, from your perspective, that the needs and the experiences of different people in different groups are just so distinct. And this is actually more just on a personal level. It's, it's for me, you know, um, it's actually been an obtuse amount of wor- more work because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I'm one of the people on staff that does technology. Unfortunately, most of my technology is getting a little older so it takes a little longer to do certain tasks. Um, so when we do all these works, we're trying to provide as many opportunities as possible and do all these things and be very, very creative. And while there's a certain energy that also goes along with that kind of um, meeting the need of the moment, there's also that time where it can exhaust you. And I think that's where you find yourself. And I think where parents with kids do the same thing, where they're doing what is needful. It's a good thing. It's a thing they have to do. Uh, and there are moments of great triumph in there, and there are also moments of just crushing, good Lord, what am I doing here? Um, so it's really important to, to strike that balance, I think, in people's lives to say, you know, where's your Sabbath? Going back to, you know, to my major theme is where do you find time for rest? And even as a pastor, one of my struggles is trying to get it, 
you know, my normal rhythms have been thrown all out of whack. And I had learned to take care of myself pretty well within the course of these rhythms. And now that that's done, I found myself about two weeks ago just going, I am just exhausted. I mean, I've been, I started work at eight o'clock in the morning. Now, granted, I'm doing it from my recliner with a cup of coffee and my two puppies on my lap, but I'm still doing this stuff. And I had one day where I had seven Zoom meetings, you know, in addition to the other stuff I needed to get accomplished that day. And, you know, by 10 o'clock at night, I'm finally wrapping things up and I'm going, this is, I, I don't know if I'd like this so much. Yeah. So where do you, how are you finding you find that time for rest? Yeah. How, how are yeah. you finding that time? So for myself personally, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to find that, that new rhythm. And, and part of it is, is, is saying no to certain things that may be really cool ideas, but I just don't either have the time, the resources, the ability to do them at this point. Um, I had, uh, we had actually some points, uh, some plans to do something a little different at Easter. And we started to be about two weeks out from Easter, two weeks into this, two weeks right before Easter. And I looked over the horizon and went, that's going to be an absurd amount of work for, I don't know what kind of return. I think there's a much smarter way to do this. So, um, it goes back to one of my old mantras is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. And so, <laughs> you stood back and say, okay, I could do this, but what would be the result of it on the other side? And so I'm trying to establish that a little bit and take, uh, you know, to establish new rhythms. Now, the, the thing is, if everything goes right, by the time I get those new rhythms, we'll, we'll, we'll change back to the old ones. But yeah. I think I can adapt to that too. So, yeah. but I think the key is to remind yourself that, you know, this is not a, a normal thing. So I think a lot of folks, you know, I see some stuff on social media and, and people, uh, friends and congregational members and people who have never been, a, I've never, you know, what's nice for me is I, I wasn't always a pastor and the people I'm friends with haven't always known me as a pastor. So I get some people being very real with me, um, both as their pastor and as, as a friend. And I think a lot of them are just trying to do everything. And it's like, no, there, there has to be limits. You, you know, you can try, but where, where do you find your space? Where do you find what's most important in this space? And I think for me, as, as a person of faith, one of the things that I need to do is spend, you know, a certain amount of time in prayer and reflection. And if I don't get that time for prayer for reflection, I'm useless to everybody else. I get cranky. I get short. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not the happy pastor when it comes to those times. So I need to learn to take care of myself within that. So, you know, in my schedule, I've been trying to do some more exercise. It was nice when it was nicer out. I got a lot more walks in and everybody, and it was nice because you got to see people even across the street, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, there are other human beings out there. It's fantastic. So I'm trying to take care of myself physically. I've been doing that. I, I got a little workout area downstairs here. I've been playing with those a little bit uh, more too, but I haven't had a lot of time. And that's the thing where I've come, you know, I've kind of seen this community input via social media saying a lot of people going, I'm bored. I'm running out of things to do. And I'm going, I wish I was. And I'm like, no, no, you're wishing, you know, all right, now take the lesson. You need to take some time for yourself so that you're not, you know, envious of people have only time for themselves Uh and people who have time for themselves. I think they have to look out saying, what can they do? Um, There may not be a place that they can necessarily go, but there are those things, like I said, like, running to go get groceries or helping people get medicines or, um, you know, for me, one of the things that we other, other thing that we do is we have people just contacting folks, 
phone calls, letters. When was the last time you wrote a letter to somebody, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to do something proactive um, in your life to reach out to others and, and to form that sense of community that goes back and forth, not just one direction or not just all internal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You ever find any time to play those guitars behind you at all? <laughs> not not enough. Um, I, I need to do that, <laughs> do that more before this all hit anyway. But the other problem I had, though, is every once in a while my downtime, this is how I got most of those. We talked a little bit about this, is buy, sell, trade. You can find inexpensive Fairly nice musical instruments every once in a while, and that's how I got most of those. Um, so um, I have to stop looking at that. Besides that, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're dealing with the same thing in our house. You know, my, my wife's been furloughed, and 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 uh, my son, who still lives with us, is is also be he. If everything goes right, he'll start working from home on Monday. He's got to set up. We got him set up uh, in a room upstairs, so he can do tech support from home and. Uh, my wife you can't who, just be rocking out all the time with them here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, exactly. There's business going on in this house. So, yeah. um, uh, but you know, unfortunately for my wife, she she has to put up with the, you know with me, who is probably busier than ever, and, and that places a different stress on on different folks too. There are people who do that. So, like you know, I don't know what Susan's going through with with all the monkeys or, or anybody else, other moms. You know, I look at some of the moms online going. I was never meant to be a teacher. I was never meant to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. We thought, oh. about, we thought about homeschooling, and we were like, no, I don't think that works for our kids' personalities. And I can definitively say that we were accurate in that assessment. It does not work for their personalities. We just keep saying to them, like, would you just not do your work for Mrs. X, your teacher? Um, no? Okay. Then why is that okay for me? <laughs> like, why would you just say no when they gave you a worksheet? Like, but, um, yeah, anyway, it's just different, different personalities, different well, things. And, and I would have to think for particularly, well, I think particularly you're younger too. They tend to be much more extroverted from my observation. Mm -hmm. So not having people to engage with, besides your siblings and your parents that has to be tough too yeah but yeah this is weird so i'm an only child and i got you know the three boys in here and this interaction is just keeps getting weirder to me because they'll spend like all day fighting with each other like, i'm so sick yeah. of you get out of my room and then like we put them all to bed and then i go downstairs to watch a show i come up and all three of them have gotten into the same bed and are all laying on top of each other it's like i, I thought you hated each other i don't get it but that's that's what siblings do i guess so Yep. They get a lot of practice at forgiveness. No, <laughs> yeah. So hey, we kind of talked um, practically about what's going on, too. I kind of wanted to talk sort of like spiritually, too, about um, like in particular, if if you're finding any biblical guidance, any more um, like if this is bringing additional insights to you for anything or kind of, um, you know, passages or, or lessons that are coming to your mind more often in this situation. One of the unique things that we did during the season of Lent in the church, which happens right before Easter, is it's a 40-day period of, uh, of time where you kind of prepare for this big event that we're supposed to have celebrated together. And, and it's supposed to be this very intentional internal time of, of reflection, of penance, you know, of, of you know, giving and, and doing good works and that kind of stuff. It's, it's got a very long history that goes throughout the church. And, and one of the things that we've done at St. John's and a lot of churches do is a, a series of intentional um, spiritual devotions and that kind of stuff. And I found 
the most ironic thing. I mean, it's nothing new to me necessarily, but it was just, it, it, it was just re, I don't know, reintroduced back into my world where I had, you know, I was one of the authors of some of those devotions and, and a lot of my colleagues were, and I read these devotions that we literally wrote right after Christmas. And the context then was so different from it is now, but the, the verses that were chosen and how the reflections came down just absolutely flabbergasted me as to how they impacted me on a day-to-day basis with this change in, 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 in the way things occur. So going back through scripture again, you know, so Easter, we talked about how, how weird Easter was, but here's the deal. I mean, if you go back to the very premise of Easter itself, it's weird. You know, the, the <laughs> premise of Easter, you know, is, is death, is life from death. It doesn't work that way, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, those first witnesses of the resurrection, you know, they come running back and the women tell the, the dudes that, you know, Jesus has risen and the guys don't believe him because this just doesn't happen. And that kind of shock and emptiness, I mean, from even going through Holy Week, and, and we did our best to do Holy Week stuff as well, um, where you, you focus on, you know, the, those events that brought Jesus to the cross, and, and just on some levels, they were more impactful than ever, because it just resonated with a different way that my life had been. I wasn't on autopilot doing what I've always done before. I was really forced into looking into the deeper parts of the story and, and where those parts of the story align with my experience as a human being um, and, and how I could see that being played out with others and Easter being that kind of thing. So there was a meme amongst pastors um, during the last couple of weeks was this is the lentiest Lent I've ever experienced, you know, uh, <laughs> or I, I plan to give up a few things for Lent, but I wasn't quite thinking about giving up everything, you know, um, <laughs> So there's been that kind of impact. And I think, again, uh, and this is one of the downsides sometimes as as a person in in my position is sometimes you get so caught up in doing the busy work and making sure everybody else's needs are being met that you don't actually take time to do those things for yourself, which is why early days having that devotional practice and writing for me was, was really, really crucial. I think it helped me get through there and it helped me look through the lens of scripture, whether that be the stories from the old Testament of, of, of time of loss, of separation, anxiety, of lament, you know, here's the other thing, you know, I think this time for a lot of folks, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that are having the time of their life right now. There might be a few introverts who are just as pleased as they can be, but they're not the kind of people to get giddy in the first place. But um, this is tough. You are abandoning a lot of good hopes, a lot of good dreams, a lot of good plans. You know, there's uncertainty in the future. There's the, you know, uh, the threat of this disease itself coming in and altering your life and the life of someone you love forever. That's scary stuff. Um, And there's a huge portion of scripture that, that speaks to the difficulty of life. Uh, whether that be the book of Job or the Psalms I mean, through the Old Testament, even through the New Testament, you know, the persecutions of the early church getting going, you know, this is something that dawned on me, never dawned on me before, but after Jesus died, you know, the disciples basically self-isolated, you know, they self-quarantined for, for, for 50 days, essentially. They, they went out once or twice, but not very often, and, and they tended to keep close in amongst themselves separated themselves, spent a lot of time in prayer and focusing on what, what did this new reality mean to them? 
Um, and then they went out after that and figured out what this new normal was going forward. The new normal wasn't inside the house. The new normal was going out. So it's like, okay, maybe this is our time as a people of faith there where we kind of concentrate on, all right, where, where, where does what I believe that God is up to in this world meet the road of real life? And how has this exit made me reflect on what I do and how I do it, how I might do it differently going forward? It kind of gives us that great baptismal refresh to say, you know, I get to start again. I get to do again. Maybe I get to reset the table a little bit here because the things, things I took for granted are no longer things I want to take for granted. And mm-hmm. I think in some way, as I've gone through my, my reflections through scripture, those have been some images and some thoughts that have come back and reinforced. But again, it's like any other discipline. It's like exercising. I still have to take time to do it because as a pastor, you can, can you know, you can, yeah, as you, you prepare a sermon every week, well, that, that, you know, that's not technically for you. Although sometimes I do learn and I grow a lot from that. I also still have to take care of the spirit that's inside of this dude um, so that so that I can remain healthy enough to take care of others. And that's physically, spiritually, and mentally uh, to do all those things. So I try to do a little bit every single day to kind of keep, keep, those, keep those areas balanced. Yeah. Well, and that's something, um, again, as I mentioned, not growing up in the church, I, I kind of learned like, you know, well, the Bible's like an old book that's been translated a whole bunch. And, you know, like these people think it's true, but then the, these other people think this other book is true. And there's other people, think, yeah. you know, and like um, just kind of throw it all in there. And if you try to actually read it anyway, it's pretty darn confusing, especially if you start at the beginning. Um, you know, it seems pretty. Um, and why do you believe this and not like Greek mythology, you know? Um, but what I what I found, what I find so compelling um, about now that I am a Christian and I see, um, I see the Bible and it's, as you said, you can read a, you can read a passage from it, you can read guidance from it and it seems so applicable to your current situation. And then something knocks you off course like this, your world totally changes. You read that same thing again. It gives, it gives meaning in that situation as well. And it gives, it gives guidance for people like me who are extroverts with a bunch of little kids at home. It gives guidance for the introverts who are isolated at their homes. It's, um, and there's, there's definitely, it's not to exclude wisdom of other traditions too. There's definitely things to learn there, but as far as like you can spend, um, it's, it's fascinating to me when you see things through different lenses and they still provide you with that, that wisdom and the the guidance, how they do. And I think as, as, a, as a people of faith, too, to broaden this out quite a bit, too, the thing is, you know, I know, I mean, I've been here for, it'll be two years in July, so I've gotten a kind of a, a feel for the community a little bit, and what's really nice is, you know, I see in little ways, you know, different congregations doing different things, you know, ECU has its thing that it does, you know, our, our brothers and sisters over at Moses Montefiore, you know, they have a certain mindset, so you know, even within the the the, the with the Muslim community in town and, and, and the, and other folks as well, that they, they are integrated into the point where they bring the best of what they have of faith for the good of others. And when that happens, you really do gel together as a community. Now, granted, you know, I don't necessarily take the words of Quran to be scripture for me, but if it says something mm-hmm. smart, I'm also smart enough to realize that you should probably think about that. Um, yeah. But for me, you know, the words, the words of scripture for me and, and, and the way that I've seen that that happened, you know, time and time again. And that's been the remarkable thing for me as I've gone through this time to say how much that resonates, 
you know, that message uh, that happens at the resurrection. And that's one of those things that gives me hope going forward to say, you know what, you know, that's why I kind of harp on that. This isn't the new normal. This is just weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, and, and, and it's like situations that are foreign to us in the Bible. I mean, I was even thinking about plagues, right? They mentioned, it mentioned plagues there. And you're just like, okay, yeah, a bunch of people getting sick, you know, Oh, that, that sounds inconvenient. That would be a bummer if there was a plague, you know? Um, and now we're like, okay, this is, a, this is a plague now. Like, and like, look at, look at the uncertainty, look at the turmoil, look at the, the death and the tragedy and, and everything to really dwell on what that experience is of that line that we just breeze through or, or see. And, um, you know, the Prince of Egypt, Disney movie, like, um, oh yeah, they sent a plague, like, oh darn. Wrong. Yeah, whatever. Next, next, and then he flipped the page, right? But living through it and um and I think seeing also that uncertainty, like you mentioned about the Easter story, um as you were talking, I was reflecting on how I think we have this perception that as soon as Jesus came back, it was almost like the ending of an action movie, right? Where like they catch the bad guy and everyone's like, Hooray, everything's good now, you know, like it's all the party and go Avengers, uh-huh. you know. Um <laughs> But most of, even the people who directly saw him, not everyone was convinced. And so that um, Easter wasn't a whole bunch of people in a church singing the, the first Easter. It was um, much more like now where you're you're separated from others who believe uh, what you do and kind of have to like have more time for contemplation and um, and reflection on this. So it's it's been a it's been a very interesting season to to dwell on and to consider those lessons. So, yeah, especially what pastor Ann talked about. Um, it wasn't her sermon, but she talked about a sermon she heard of um, where the theme was it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yeah. And to think about how, when you're going through all these hard times that like on good Friday, when Jesus died, like they didn't know for sure. They didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and just like right now, we just have to keep thinking Sunday's going to come here at some point for us. So, yeah, well, good. Um, well, the last thing I just wanted to ask, if, if there was any sort of um, groups in town or people in town who you've seen to be really um, outside of, you know, we talked about what St. John's is doing, but mm-hmm. and then about what, what Luther Oaks is doing. But is there anyone else who you wanted to just give some recognition to who you feel like's really been um, helping their community out a lot? I think some of the groundwork that I've seen that has happened uh, through United Way and and working in partnership with a lot of the other organizations that are out there. I mean, one of the things that I've been tickled with, to use an old phrase that my grandparents would use, uh, about this community is the fact there isn't just one entity that seeks to help people in this in this community. There are lots of them. And the good news is, from what I've seen, is that they tend to play nicely together, which is also not always a given in this world. So I'm sure there's some issues with this, and there's personalities occasionally that, that do this. But what I've seen is, you know, whether you have a group like PATH, um, or whether you have, uh, uh, you know, a group with the, the, you know, the Midwest Food Bank, and, and all those different organizations that are out there, that there's a sense of awareness that there are there are people who do help, who can help, and you can help them help others. And, you know, whether that be, you know, like I said, there's just all sorts of different shades around there. 
it'll be interesting to see, I think, and this is what I would, you know, anybody that's listening to this, I think, you know, the one thing that I would also prepare my heart for is during this time, if you're taking care of yourself, you're doing this other stuff, maybe get ready to help others somehow when you can, when you can do that, prepare yourself for that. Because whether you're a person of faith or whether that's not something that's on your, your particular menu, you are a human being and there's lots of human need that's going to be pouring down the road for us. As much as, you know, $1,200 stimulus check will be delightful for some folks, for other folks, they may not get that for circumstances. They may not see that money because they have this well of debt that's so enormous that they won't, that won't be any solution at all. So how do we continue to feed? How do we continue to welcome people into our community that they can grow and become who they need to be? Uh, because that's what we do. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think just generally as a community, we have, you know, uh, again, I'm not going to say this is everybody, but I think there is a good infrastructure and a good mindset in place uh, that people can be generous of their time and their resources uh, to make life better for other people, which uh, on a lot of levels is, is those things that we are called to uh, as people of faith. But, you know, as we do those things together uh, to keep your eyes open, because there will be something that will be out there, I think, that has your name on it, um, whether that's making a $5 donation to a food shelf or whether that's spending time packing groceries at Midwest Food Bank or whether that's serving at one of the missions in town or whether that's um, you know, just giving somebody, you know, if you're a landlord, giving somebody some grace and making a payment on their rent or, or whatever it happens to be. There are just lots of ways to do that. And I think the, the key for coming out on the other side of this as a stronger community is, is to say that we do this while we may not all have similar circumstances. We know what it's like. And then going back to this thing about scripture, how this, how that relates to each other, you know? not everybody's going through the same thing together. Like you said, you have your two groups. You have the people who are like, I'm going crazy. I have nothing to do. Or I have, I'm going crazy. I have so much to do with my family, my job and everything else. And every mix in between there. So how do we treat each other as, as humanely as possible? And, and, you know, as a Christian, I have certain perspectives on that as well, but I think just keeping your eyes open because there are lots of really good groups that are out there. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of phone calls from people in the community and even from some friends of mine um, out in different corners of the world saying, you know, they want to help because they have resources in, in one case, financial, in the other case, uh, physical needs, uh, that they can help people with. And, and, and so I'm, you know, how can we help one another, help one another? Yeah. 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 I've heard it remarked before that the harsher winters people are used to, the better they are just enduring things. Um, so like the further North you're from, and you're coming from Minnesota, Wisconsin, right? So you know what I'm talking right. about. Um, yep. So I, I think all Midwesterners are, we're we're pretty good at just buckling down and enduring because we're used to those, you know, well, okay, it's December and it's not going to be nice until February and I can be as grumpy as I want about it, but it's nothing I can do about it. So just move on. Um, True fact. And I can, I can see us going into that mode with this, but I think to your point, we need to realize this isn't a snowstorm this is still a place where we um, like hunkering down with and withdrawing is not, I mean, sorry, drawing in is not necessarily the best approach. There's still community to be formed in different ways um, throughout this. And, um, you know, to try to try to still be out there and doing the good that you can do. Right. Yeah. Yep. But, and I think, um, one other thing that just kind of come to come to mind too that, that I've, I've noticed through this is you know there's um, a movement on facebook i think it's called the world of hearts or whatever and they they do the hearts and the, the sidewalk talk it's been a, a great experience to see some of that sort of stuff 
but people learning to appreciate the gifts that they have and even the gifts that their neighbors have, you know, whether they be um, doctors or nurses, or this is one of the interesting things is um, I saw a post from a doctor friend of mine, and it was a, a fairly long thing. <laughs> he started out, he says, please don't reblog this. I don't want this to become a thing. Um, <laughs> but he says, I, he says, but I do, I want you guys to pay attention to the people that help the hospitals run. He said, our custodial staff, our food service workers, the people who clean up the rooms, sometimes those are the people who are at the greatest risk of all because they're coming in afterwards cleaning up, you know, this this very sloppy situation sometimes. And they don't get paid big bucks. And they're not glamorous positions and nobody's thinking of them. And, and I think, if nothing else, this idea of what an essential worker is, well, we're all essential workers on some levels. So if you learn to appreciate the fact that we all bring differing gifts into the community to, to share with one another um, from, from, you know, the most glamorous position to, you know, the most hands-on kind of stuff uh, that's out there and everywhere in between, you value people for the gifts that they bring, not one more than another, but that they are all important as a community. So that's, that's one of the things I kind of seen come out of this thing too, is, is how we revalue some of our, uh, the things that are really important. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, appreciate you uh, spending your time uh, chatting with me. Uh, like you mentioned, you're very busy, so um, so I appreciate the hour here. Um, went went quick. It always goes quicker than I thought. I always thought like, yeah, 20, 30 minutes, it'll be fine. But then once you get into it, it's just I like talking to people. Um, so uh, so if anyone wants to hear these, uh, see the worship. Um, activities and sermons um that we were talking about those are on those are on youtube still right yep youtube and facebook so either one you could either go to st john's bloomington on uh if you google that on or if you put that in facebook it should take you to our page uh or if you just plain old google um st john's bloomington youtube uh, you know youtube videos or go on to youtube and you should be able to find our channel on there yeah well i'd encourage everyone if they've got some time to um to go and and check that out. It's, it's been, as I mentioned, something that's been very impactful and helpful to me during this time. So, um, so, uh, Pastor Dave, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Just want to say one more thing. Uh, it's a podcast, so I got to thank sponsors. Um, so I thank my, uh, thank our three sponsors here. Play Normal Esports is closed down for the time being, hoping they uh, open back up soon. Um, but play, uh, Normal Gadgets is still available to fix your stuff. I don't think they fix guitars, um, but, uh, you know, any kind of electrical uh, appliances, phones, um, they also are offering uh, uh, deep cleanings of phones. So, you know, you probably, if there's COVID on anything, it's going to be on your phone. So bring that in there, get that all sprayed off clean, and they'll teach you how to do some some tips to clean it out yourself too. So that's a really good deal. And then um, BRE Law is also available for your legal needs. Um, those don't stop uh, in, a, in a pandemic, and they're still available to help you out. So um, so if you got a problem, need to talk to someone about it, give BRE Law a call. They'll direct you to one of their lawyers. All right. Well, thanks again. Good luck. God bless. Thanks a lot. You too. Bye.